thinks I'm going to volunteer for CIA. I hope you don't say, you know, Brother Bill's full of it. If he thinks I'm getting outside my comfort zone to go visit with the Grow Outreach Ministry. Brother Bill's full of it. If he thinks I'm coming to church tonight. Let me just tell you, the only thing that I'm full of in those regards is hope. Amen. I hope you do. I hope you do. But one can be filled with a great many things. We can be filled with humility. We can be filled with lust. We can be filled with love. One can be filled with hate. You can be filled with immorality. You can be filled full of self. You can be filled full of wickedness. You can be filled with sin, filled with depravity, filled even with the devil. You can be filled with ability, filled with desire, filled with talent. You can even be filled with power. You can be filled with faith, filled with trust, filled with devotion, even filled with Christ. But everyone is filled with something or filled with someone. The Apostle Paul knew this when he wrote to a church of believers, not unlike yourselves. It was the church in Rome. And this is what he said to that church. He said, furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do what they ought not be doing. They have become filled. Say filled. You're right. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, sin, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters. They are insolent. They are arrogant. They are boastful. And they even invent ways of doing evil things. They're full of it, amen? But are there actually people who are filled with every kind of wickedness? That's a scary thought to me. But when people do not retain a knowledge of God or the knowledge of the true and living God, listen, they will believe in nothing and as a result, They'll do just about anything. Gang violence. Murder. Mothers missing. Children missing. Elderly uh, people being abused. And the list goes on and on and on. But the opposite of being filled with all kinds of wickedness is being filled Filled with the Spirit of God, which produces absolutely nothing but good in people's lives. 
And that's what I want to talk to you about today. In John chapter 14, Jesus spoke to his disciples saying that the helper, the Holy Spirit of God, whom the Father will send in his name, would teach us a great many things and bring to our remembrance all the things Jesus taught them. And so after Jesus was gloriously resurrected, and after Jesus had ascended to the, his Father in heaven, the next pivotal event in the life of a Christian that occurred was the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God in believers. Right after the resurrection, which proved that Jesus conquered death, and you can too, the very next pivotal event that matters to you is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God in the believer. If you would, follow along with me as I begin reading in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, the Bible says, And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded his disciples not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise. You hear that? Wait for the promise of the Father, which, Jesus said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit for not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has placed under his own authority, but you shall receive power, power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and even to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, while Jesus spoke these things, while they were watching, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who also said to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will also come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And then in Acts chapter 2 verse 1, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. From where? Who lives in heaven? God. Suddenly there came a sound from God from heaven. Amen. As of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each one of them. And they were all filled. Say filled. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak other tongues or other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. So instead of being filled with sinful living, instead of being filled with fleshly desires, instead of being filled with selfish motives, 
We need to be filled with the Spirit of God. Amen? We need to be filled with the Spirit of God who leads us, listen here, to live right. To live right, a way that honors God. On November 7th of this year, evangelist Billy Graham will turn 99 years old. And Billy Graham has done a lot of good. He's done a lot of good, especially by preaching the truth of Jesus Christ. During his lifetime, it's estimated that Billy Graham has preached to over 2.2 billion, with a B, billion people, sharing the truth of Jesus Christ. Now, how was, Jesus, how was Billy Graham able to accomplish so much good in his lifetime? How was he able to do that? How was Billy Graham able to stay clean while he served God preaching to so many people? Friend, it's only possible. Only possible if the Spirit of God was working in his life. A man could not have done what Billy Graham has done. It is not Billy Graham's work. It is the Holy Spirit's work using Billy Graham as the instrument. Philippians 2.13, the Bible says, For it is God who works in you. Y'all hear that? It is God who works in you to will, to have the want to, and to act according to his good purpose. God does the work through you. Amen. God is at work in us, and he works through us through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. But my question was, as I was preparing and studying, is when? When does God's Spirit come to live in the believer? And the Bible teaches us that everyone who believes must turn away from their sin. That is, they must repent. They must turn away from their sin. Not only must everyone who believes repent, but they also must identify with Christ. That is, be baptized. That's what we do when we get baptized. We identify our lives with Jesus Christ. Listen to what Acts chapter 2 says. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, how do we really know? How do we really know that uh, as Christians, how do we really know that this takes place? Well, the way that we know is because God says so. Amen. God says so in his word. And when God says so, things happen. If God says his spirit is coming to live in the midst of believers, you can take it to the bank. It is going to happen. But I had more questions. How? You know what? I'm never satisfied with the amount of the spirit of God that I have in me. How do, why am I not satisfied? Because I still sin. I still think things I ought not think. I still say things I ought not say. I still do things I ought not do. And so I want to be completely filled. I don't want to leave any room in Bill Barlow for sin. I only want to be leaving room for the work of God in me and through me. So how can I be filled even more with the Spirit of God? Ephesians 5.18 tells us, don't get drunk on wine. It'll ruin your life. 
Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled, filled to overflowing, filled to the brim is what uh, the Bible is saying there. Now, I don't want to oversimplify this because this kind of life being filled with the Spirit of God is not easy. Can I get a testimony on that? It's not easy to stay filled with the Spirit of God. It seems like uh, believers have a leak. Amen? Man, God will, God will fill me to, to the brim, and then all of a sudden before I know it, I'm, I'm back down again. Why? Because it's leaked out my toe or something. Anyway, it leaks. We're leaks. So I don't want to oversimplify this because it's not easy staying filled, but I think that it's really just a matter of a daily walk with God. A daily walk with God. Not just in the morning. Not just at lunch and not just when I come home. But all throughout the day. Walking with God. And as I continue to surrender moment by moment to his leading. As I continue to walk with him in prayer throughout the day. Praying without ceasing is the call on the Christian's life. So you know, just walking with him in prayer, walking with him day in and day out in personal study of his word. I mean, this is a spirit-inspired book. Amen? God, the Holy Spirit, has inspired this book. And if you're not reading it, what is that really saying? If you're not studying it, what is it really saying? It's saying you really don't care what God has to say. Amen? So... If I want to be filled, if I want to stop the leak, if I want to stick my finger in the dam, in the dike, amen, uh, and I want to stay filled, then I need to work more on my prayer life. I need to work more on my personal study of God's word. And when that happens, then God can fill us with his spirit. That's important. You know, the more we pray, the more we study God's word, the more God can fill us with his spirit. And if you don't, what happens if Christians don't want to pray? What happens if Christians say, you know what? I'm not going to study it. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I'm not going to do it. What happens to those Christians? Listen carefully. They begin to suffer with spiritual malnutrition. If you don't pray, if you don't study the Spirit-inspired Word of God, then you will suffer spiritual malnutrition, and you will begin to leak. You cannot stay filled with the Spirit of God if you're not in constant communication with God and not reading His divine loving instructions to us for our lives. So please realize that if if you're not praying, if you're not studying, you're going to have about that much power in your life. If you're not praying without ceasing, if you're not involved in personal study of God's word, you are going to have little power. The spirit is going to have little power in your life. And that means you're going to have little power to overcome the world. You're going to have little power to overcome the flesh. You're going to have little power to overcome the devil. We must do what we must do to stay filled with the Spirit of God. But what will being filled with the Spirit of God actually do in my life? 
I need to know that. Well, I want to give you three things quickly today. The first thing that being filled with God's Spirit will do is motivate us to witness. Motivate us to witness. In Acts chapter 4, after the disciples prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and look what they did. They spoke the Word of God boldly. Did you see, did you hear the sequence? They prayed. Amen. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and as a result of those things, they spoke about Jesus boldly. They spoke the Word of God boldly. And I'm reading this, and I'm saying, well, surely they spoke both privately with boldness and publicly with boldness. That's what happens when you're filled with the Spirit of God. You get bold in your faith. My question to you is, are you quick to speak the Word of God in your life? Are you quick to speak the name of Jesus in your life? That friend of yours who's never heard the name of Jesus, has he heard it from you? That friend, that family member that, that doesn't understand the scriptures, have they heard any clarification from you? Have they even heard what God says from you? Do you boldly speak up for Christ? Do you boldly speak up for the word of God privately and publicly? If we're honest, we're usually pretty hesitant. We're usually pretty hesitant to be bold. Why is that? It's because we all sprung a leak, amen? We're not full. We're not filled with the Spirit of God. And that's what I want to encourage you today to do is to be filled with the Spirit of God. So what makes people hesitate to share about Jesus boldly? Well, here are some fears that some people say that they have. Some people say, well, I'm afraid I might do more harm than good. I can, I can identify with that. Amen. Um, some people say, well, you know what? I just don't know what to say. Some say, well, um, I'm afraid I won't be able to give a snappy answer to a tricky question. Some say, well, I don't want to come off intolerant. I don't want to come off like a bigot. Some people say, well, I don't want to invade somebody's privacy. You know what I mean? Some people feel, well, I'm afraid that I might fail. Some people say, well, I'm afraid I might be viewed as a hypocrite. Well, guess what? This church is full of them, amen? Because we're not perfect. We're not perfect. So we're all hypocrites. We're all in the same boat. So let's just all be bold, amen, and speak the word of Jesus Christ. But the most common fear that people have, the thing that makes people the most hesitant to share the word of Jesus Christ boldly is simply the fear of being rejected. A survey was taken during a training session for a Billy Graham crusade in Detroit, and one question was asked, what is your greatest hindrance to witnessing? 9% said, well, I'm just too busy to remember to do it. 28% <laughs> said that they felt like they had a, a lack of real information to share. 12% said that their own lives were we're not speaking the way that they should. In other words, they weren't living like they're supposed to be living. But by far the largest group were the 51% whose biggest problem was having a fear of how that other person was going to react. 
Nobody likes to get ridiculed. Nobody wants to be rejected. Nobody wants to be regarded as a weirdo or an oddball. Can I get a testimony on that? Amen. I don't want to be looked at as a, as a Jesus freak. So fear keeps us from doing a lot of things. But man, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Because Paul wrote to Timothy saying that God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us his spirit. He didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a, fe a spirit of power. A spirit of love, a spirit of a sound mind, of self-discipline. Friend, listen, God's spirit is powerful. God's spirit is powerful in you. You may be real weak. You may be a hypocrite. You may be messing up. You may be blowing it sky high. You may be weak, but God's spirit in you, oh, friend, he's powerful. Very powerful and very loving and very, very strong. So let us trust God that his spirit will empower us to live right and to speak up. Amen? Let us live right and let us speak up. It was said of Francis Assisi that he had once invited a young man to go into town with him because they were going to preach. Amen? And so Francis and the young man, all day long, they walked through the streets. Man, they walked in the, in the alleys. They walked in the byways and the highways. They even went way out to the suburbs. And they walked and they walked and they walked. And then at the day's end, both of them headed back to the house. But not even once had Francis preached to a crowd. Not even once had he talked to anybody about the gospel. And that young man with him was greatly disappointed that he didn't get to be a part of some good old preaching. And Francis responded, he said, my son, we have preached. We have preached. We were preaching while we were walking. We were seen by many and our behavior was closely watched and then he said something that goes down in the annals of history because here's what he said it's of no use to walk anywhere to preach unless you preach everywhere while you walk your life should be a living breathing walking talking sermon of god's goodness and salvation through jesus christ friends Acts 4.13 says that when the people saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized, man, they were unschooled, just ordinary guys. But they were astonished. And they took note because they knew that they had been with Jesus. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. When you walk in the Spirit, Listen here, people will take note. When you walk in the Spirit, people will take note that that girl's been with Jesus. That man has been with Christ. Walk with Jesus, and the Bible says, you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. But if you're not walking in the Spirit, if you're not filled with the Spirit, all they're going to see is you. 
But as Christians, our calling is to let people see Jesus through us. Amen? That's the call of the Christian. So being filled with God's Spirit motivates us to, yes, to live for Christ, but also to speak for Christ. Speak the name of Jesus into somebody's life, and you instantly have their attention. Did you know that? Say the name Jesus right now. You got my attention, amen? You speak the name of Jesus in an ordinary conversation, and everything stops. You ever noticed it? I pray you have. You want to get somebody's attention? Just say Jesus. They want to hear what's coming next, amen? Be bold to speak the name of Jesus, but then to also live like him, amen? That's one thing that happens when you're filled with God's spirit. You're motivated to witness, to live like Christ, and to speak up boldly for Christ. Here's something else that happens when you're filled with God's spirit. You're, you have joy, joy in your life. Being filled with God's spirit produces joy. Now, we're often motivated to do things by watching other people. You ever notice that? I do it all the time. I watch other preachers. I watch their mannerisms. I watch how they preach. I, watch, I listen to how they preach. And if I listen to them enough, I start sounding like them. I start looking like them. Amen? Uh, I'm inspired. Brother Ronnie Jones, my pastor, uh, ain't no telling how many things that I do that Ronnie does. Amen? And it's because I have watched him and I imitate him. But here's the thing. Yes, we do learn from other Christians, and that's important, but we don't really change by watching other Christians. Imitation is fake. Imitation is on the outside. Imitation is artificial. It's all on the outside. It's fake. Uh, and most times, it doesn't last. I've kind of gotten away from my brother Ronnie-isms. Amen? Why? Because I'm not sitting under his preaching anymore. Uh, I've got more, I pray, Jesus preaching in me, you know. Uh, but the Holy Spirit has been given us not to produce imitation on the outside, but to produce fruit or godly change from the inside. And that's why the Holy Spirit of God indwelling the believer is probably the most pivotal event aside from the resurrection of Christ himself. There's nothing artificial about the work of the Spirit of God. He is the real deal. He changes you from the inside out, not the outside in. Amen? So that's important. Acts 13, 52, the Bible says, and the disciples were filled with joy. Man, that sounds good to me. I like that. Amen? They were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So there's a relationship there between the joy of God and the Holy Spirit within me. In the face of every trial, in the face of every trouble, in the face of wayward children, in the face of difficult bosses, in the face of financial strain, I want you to know, friend, that the Holy Spirit will empower you, will enable you as a believer to live a life filled with joy. It doesn't matter about the challenges of life. It doesn't matter. You still have this ability to be filled with joy. Bill, how do you know it? Because God's word says it. God said it, and it has happened. You know what? Being filled with God's spirit, it produces joy, but it, feel, it, it produces a lot more than that. Let me give you some proof. 
In Galatians chapter 5, the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the Spirit within you, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We have all these countless blessings happening simultaneous in our life when we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I want to know how in the world does the Holy Spirit of God do that in me? I know me, amen. I know I ain't patient. Amen. I know that sometimes I'm not gentle. I know sometimes that I'm not loving. I know sometimes I ain't good. So how is, how is the Holy Spirit going to produce all these good qualities in me? I need to know. Well, what I need to realize is, is it's not just up to him. It's not just up to the Holy Spirit. It's partially up to me. It's partially up to you. It's a matter of are you going to surrender or are you not? Are you going to obey God or are you not? Friend, are you going to walk daily with the Lord or are you going to skip it? It's partially up to us. The Holy Spirit can only produce his fruit in us when we submit to him. Did y'all hear that? When you surrender, he'll do it. He'll do it if you'll surrender. If you'll walk daily with him, he will do it. What's the problem then? We don't surrender. There's this sphere of my life, this, this corner of my life that I have reserved for Bill Barlow. I'm going to live how I want to live in this little corner of my life. And therefore, the, the power of God, the Spirit of God doesn't manifest himself in that corner. Why? Because he don't own it. I still own it in the flesh. And that's not good. So we need to be intentional. We need to be deliberately surrendering, yielding, and submitting to God. And when we do that, the promise is, is that he'll produce all those wonderful qualities of God in our lives and through us for the benefit of other people. So being filled with the Spirit of God, friend, it motivates us to witness, but it also produces great joy in our life. And joy means joy regardless of circumstances. But there's something else. Being filled with God's Spirit also generates worship. I pray that's why you're here today. And only why you're here today is because you want to worship God. What is worship? Worship is adulation. Worship is absolute reverence for something or someone. Now, I know some people, and you know some people, that are so devoted to a sport. They're so devoted, devoted to a hobby. They're so devoted to a workplace that they let nothing get in the way of them doing that. You know somebody like that? Do you know somebody like that? Somebody who's got a sport, a hobby, or a workplace, that they are going to do it, and nothing's going to get in the way. They're going to do it. It may just be lounging on the couch. Amen? They're going to do it, because that's what they want to do. Guess what? That is worship. But you and I know that there is nothing and there is no one 
who deserves our loving worship except the God who created us and saved us in Jesus Christ. No one. No one should take his place. No one should take his place. The Lord alone deserves our worship. The Lord alone deserves our adoration. The Lord alone deserves our praise. He's the one that gave us life. Amen? He's the one that gives us breath. He's the one who gives us every good and perfect gift. He's the one who gives us daily provision. He's the one who puts food on your table. He's the one that puts a roof over your head. He's the one that puts four wheels on your tires or on your car. He's the one who gives you luxuries to enjoy. He's the only one that deserves your worship. No one else. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 22, the poor will eat and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise him. May their hearts live forever. Psalm 29 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Nobody else deserves your worship but him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Psalm 95 says, Come on. Let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. And we, we're just the people of his pasture. We're just the flock under his care. Friends, I believe that the more we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, the more you'll want to worship the Lord your God. Did y'all hear that? The more you're filled with the Spirit of God, the more you'll want to worship him. So we don't judge anybody. But we can make observations, can't we? If you see somebody that just refuses to come to church, they may say that they're worshiping in their living room. They may say they're worshiping out in the woods. They may say it, but, and that's their business. But if I'm just making an observation... I'm telling you that they're not full of the Spirit of God. I see no evidence of their worship. And you know, our worship won't start and stop at church. It does go on day in and day out. I mean, you should constantly be worshiping God all the time, praising His name every chance you get, thanking Him. You know what that is? Praising and thanking Him? It's worship. Amen. It doesn't require a worship service to worship him. All it requires is, thank you, God. I praise you, Lord. And that's worship. Filled with moments of worship. And friend, the more the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your heart, the more the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your mind, the more you're going to truly worship him. The more the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your heart, the more the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your mind, the more joy you're going to experience. This should be something you want to do. Amen. Want more joy? Amen. Just get more filled. Spend more time in prayer. Spend more time in personal study. Spend more time praising and thanking and worshiping God. And the more the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your heart, and the more the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your mind, then the more desire you're going to have Tell everybody else you know about your glorious Savior. They're byproducts, friend. 
It's what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And so you know what I say today? I say, fill me, Lord. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to just get filled up to here. Amen? I've been filled up to here with a lot of things. Amen? Amen? Some people say that's why you got brown hair. Amen? I've been filled with a lot of things. But I want to be filled to here with the Holy Spirit of God. To the very top. To the very brim. Because when I get filled up to here, the very next little bit of Holy Spirit that I have to come into this vessel overflows into the life of somebody else. That's what we want. So, Lord, fill us to overflowing. Use us for the glory of God. Friend, I pray that that's your desire this morning. You need to know that of the two major events in the life of a Christian, the glorious resurrection of Jesus is the first, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God in believers is the second. What a wonderful blessing you have. My question to you is, what are you filled with? Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this incredible promise that you fulfilled on that day of Pentecost where you invited those who believe and have turned their back on sin and have identified themselves as Christ followers. Father,